Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. My guest on Breaking Free today is an incredible Jordanian-Canadian composer of Bosnian, Syrian and Palestinian roots. She speaks Arabic, English, French, Spanish, is fluent in both Western and Middle Eastern music and is active in both the film and concert world. My guest is Saad Bushnak. Her music, described by the BBC as reflective and touching, tackles themes of identity, loss, war, peace and coexistence. She has scored award-winning feature films and shorts that have screened at festivals around the world, the latest of which is a Jordanian film entitled Selma's Home, which I had the pleasure of playing a role in. We discussed during the episode some of the challenges and painful times that Saad faced in her life, as well as the beautiful ones that helped shape her career and the woman she has become today. I hope you find her unshakable confidence and passion about her work as inspiring as I did. Hi, Saad. I'm so pleased that you're here with me today on the podcast Breaking Free because we met and I'd like to tell the listeners how we met in a very unusual way, I think. There's a movie coming out soon called Selma's Home and the music is just absolutely beautiful on that movie. And so when I realized that you had written the music, composed the music, I reached out and said that it was beautiful. And in return, it turned out that you'd been following my work. And um, that's how we sort of come together to um, be on the podcast today. So can you tell me a little bit about that as well? How how that happened from your end? Yes, absolutely. First of all, I'm really happy and honored to be your guest today. And I've been a fan of yours since the 90s, the late, the late 90s. I used to watch your show, your talk show on uh, Jordan's Channel 2 television. And you've always been this example of a creative woman, a multi-talented woman who's doing amazing things. And this was before social media and TikTok and YouTube. So... I've always been a fan of yours, you know, your comedy, your music. So when I knew you were acting in uh, Selma's Home, I was I was so happy and uh, I loved your acting there. So when you reached out and told me that you loved the music, I was just jumping up and down because I've been fangirling you for a long time. Oh. So I'm, re- I'm really happy we met this way. And um, and you doing, you know, what you've done over the past uh, many years has influenced me also as a Jordan as a young Jordanian girl who grew up to be a woman to follow my own dreams my own creative dreams so you know i owe you a thank you <laughs> that's what touched me the most thank you for that i mean it it's it's so beautiful to know that you've been able to inspire somebody especially somebody who's so creative and has done such wonderful work um, to know that I could have been part of that and for sort of the universe to bring us together to be part of the same project is just really really special and I wanted to know more about your story and your background and how you were inspired to become this amazing composer and do what you're doing um, at the moment so if you could tell us a little bit about your background and what what got you there 
So um, I grew up in a family of two pharmacists who both studied pharmacy against their will. <laughs> My dad's <laughs> dream was to be a violinist, actually. And he was, uh, he's an avid music, uh, classical music listener. So we had tons of, um, you know, LP records in our house. And my mom was also a pharmacist who was denied uh, by her dad to go to England on an arts scholarship. So uh, a visual arts scholarship. So both of them were kind of like trapped in their, um, you know, in their scientific jobs. Mm. And as a result, when they saw artistry in me and my siblings, they they encouraged that. And this happened in a, you know, in a place like Amman, where, as you know, um, you know, you either become a doctor, an engineer, um, a lawyer or a disgrace to your family, as the joke goes. Yeah, like you, yes. you, you, you cannot do anything but that. So they, they were the kind of people who, no, they went against the flow and, um, you know, pushed me and my siblings to to really do what we want to do. So they put me in piano lessons when I asked for it. We did ballet, um, violin, anything artistic. They always, um, they really always encouraged that. So. Um, and when the time came and I told them that I wanted to become a professional musician and composer, um, they also, you know, um, supported that, had me apply to universities um, in Canada and um, elsewhere. And yeah, they were just, you know, they instilled in me and my siblings that confidence, if we want to talk about confidence, mm -hmm. that confidence that, 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 that makes you know that you can do anything you want as long as you do it well, you know, as long as you make it your focus. Yeah. So um, it sounds like it was a pretty smooth journey, like you knew what you wanted and they were supportive of that and, and you know, facilitated it for you and supported you. So I know that your journey took another turn. What was the reason for that, that you didn't just go ahead with the music straightforward there was there was a, a period where you stopped yeah so basically after high school I did continue my music studies I went to Damascus Syria to the music conservatory there and I studied then we moved to Canada and I got accepted into McGill University on, on scholarship so things were running smoothly and then um, suddenly in my second year at uh, McGill University, my uh, my mom got an aggressive form of cancer, and within a few months she passed away mm. at a very at a very young age of um, fifty three. So, I for me I needed to cope with this somehow. And having grown up in in Jordan and having gone to schools where religion class is kind of um, a place where unfortunately wasn't a place for spiritual growth, but rather a place for guilt tripping. So for me, my mom passing away, I thought that was a punishment from God, really. Like for me, it was like, oh, this is because like we're not involved with the Muslim community in Canada. It's, you know, I, I kept like coming up with these ideas and I became super religious. Like the night she passed away, I started wearing hijab. And um, for 10 years, actually, after that, I kept wearing it. And in a way, my music was put on the, you know, um, on, on the back burner, on hold. Although I was in my second year at 
one of Canada's top universities, you know, like you, you don't take that thing lightly. I continued, I finished my studies, I got my degree, but at the back of my head, it was like, okay, this, I can't make this my career because I need to stop being self-centered and I need to serve my community. And, you know, that's what, um, that's what God wants me to do. Music shouldn't be one of them. It should be more about serving like in a tangible way. Right. Yeah. So it's when you stop listening to your heart and you start listening to everything that you were surrounded with, with your upbringing. So even though it wasn't in your family home, it was around you within the culture and at school. It has an effect, doesn't it? It has an effect. And, um, you know, you yeah, your compass kind of stops working. Right. You, that inner compass that mm. you have that has been guided by, as you said, your heart and with all that support from the family, yeah, all of a sudden in a blink, because of something you heard at school, which for me was the concept of hijab, I heard it at school and like I lived my entire teens feeling guilty that, you know, I'm missing out on something or I'm not a good person because of it. So um, I did lose my compass in a way, but I do not, I don't consider that phase in my life something bad either. I needed to cope with my mom's passing away. It had to happen using something you know yeah. i needed a way to cope and for me religion and spirituality were the right thing that i needed that time it's like, healthier than numbing with you know narcotics or exactly. anything else isn't it absolutely and it's kind of opened my mind to a lot of things and um it helped me through the the first few years of her not being around you know and i mm. had younger siblings so the the whole thing was really tragic but um, and meanwhile, I went back to the same university where I got my music composition degree and I did a degree in elementary school education and became a math teacher. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. What, what made you decide to do that? As, it's so, you know, contrasting. Why math? So I've always actually been good at math. And even from a musical point of view, one of my favorite composers is Johann Sebastian Bach. And if you ever play any of his pieces or listen to them, they're architectural in, in every sense of the word. There's a lot of math and architecture in them. So I've always been uh, good at math in school. And um, when I went to do my education degree, it was an, you know, it was for all subjects that are taught in elementary schools. But I focused on math and how to teach math through the eye of social justice. So, you know, teaching math through issues that, of social justice, like poverty and, you know, um, fair trade and whatnot. And, and that became my career from like 2013 um, onward for a few years. However, uh, 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 when I was doing that degree, my, my uh, education degree, I woke up in the middle of the night. I remember summer 2012, like pulling my hair out as if someone slapped me on the face. And I was like, what are you doing with your life? All this effort that I have put into my music studies that my parents have put, and here I am sitting and not working with that. And coincidentally, at that same time, there, wa there, there was um, a bubbling film industry starting to bubble in Jordan and the Arab world. And in a way, I was like, here I am after everything I've done, for my music you know um throwing this talent away yeah 
and and even so like in the midst of that religious phase i was like it's actually you know if you want to talk about religion and being a good person when god gives you a talent you don't throw it away <laughs> you know exactly. that's that's your your job your spiritual duty is to you know nurture that talent you don't just throw it away because someone told you that it's not a good thing to do or that it's 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 conflicts with certain religious views or whatnot so i literally just started working on a website and started contacting filmmakers and decided that this is who i am and this is what i want to do so i continued being um a math teacher while at the same time double dipping in in my music career which at the time was still nothing so it was me kind of reaching out to filmmakers trying to find orchestras to play my music i did a ton of hustling like you wouldn't believe it it was you know i look at emails that i've sent um back then and it's just no one knew who i was i had one piano album that my that's that was actually recorded before my mom passed away and i wanted it i wanted to use it just as a demo and I ended up selling that album to raise funds for the Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation in my mom's name. But it, but that album, like I didn't promote it the way it should be promoted, right? Mm -hmm. it, I, I, again, I used my music to do good for the world without knowing that music in and of itself is a good thing. Yes, how much it moves people, how much it can heal. Sometimes yeah. you don't realize the power of the thing that you're doing so easily. Exactly. So that time in 2012, uh, it was already like five years since my mom had passed away. Uh, I started to find myself again. You know, the grieving was over. I think mm. we grieve for a long time. The grieving yes. isn't a year or, you know, you, the first year is shock and you kind of need to, to, to process things. Um, so I started to concentrate on my music. And at a certain point in 2015, I was teaching 100 stu 100 students a day that was i i had you know uh, i had five uh, math classrooms to teach for fourth and fifth grade i was doing that during the day then going back home and working on my first feature film which was a jordanian film actually called the curve uh, al munatif um so i double dipped for a while it was out of, out of necessity, I had to quit my teaching job. Um, and my dad got Alzheimer's disease and I needed to be in Toronto, close to him. So I had to quit my teaching job, which was in the US actually. And um, I found myself in 2017 with no nine to five job. I was here, just me and my music. And that kind of started to um, snowball. Because uh, now I had all the time in the world to just concentrate on my music and attract wow. attract projects to me and what accomplishments it's unbelievable the awards that you've won soundtracks for 40 films how is that even possible uh 40 films between shorts and features um and i'm a workaholic in a certain way uh, <laughs> which is which uh -huh. is a good thing when you're starting to build a name uh, I, you know, you have to kind of put that essential push, the 10,000 hours that um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about. If you know that author, he talks yes, about that. to be a master. To be a master in something, exactly. So a lot of these films were for me like exercises in honing my skills. And the more you do something, the better you get at it and the faster you can get it done 
properly because it becomes uh, your bread and butter, right? Like yeah. you're, 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 you know the tricks of the trades, you know how to make something sound good from the first take instead of the third. You, you become more aware of what a film needs when it comes to you. Um, it, it's just like anything that you, any talent or skill that you hone, it becomes something, it becomes second nature to you, right? Yeah. And then there was another kind of shifting moment in my life which is when I got pregnant. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I've always wanted to be a mother, but this pregnancy kind of scared me because I was, my, my music career was at that point where it's almost on a tipping point. Yes. Like it's almost going to get there. And I got pregnant at that exact, t- exact same time and I freaked out. So I remember reaching out to um, a Facebook forum for, for film composers, mostly from Hollywood. And I just very vaguely asked if there are any composers in there who are mothers and how they made it happen. And one of them suggested, uh, I got a ton of amazing responses, but one of them suggested a book called Bringing Up Bebe, uh, which is a book written by an American woman who has a toddler Mm -hmm. who moved to France and was like mind boggled by how Uh, women in Europe are able to maintain their lives while raising kids as opposed to a lot of women in North America who stop their lives for their kids. And and the gist of the book was that bring your child on your own journey as opposed to stopping your journey for your child. Mm. So I took that book very seriously and I went uh, crazy with uh, applications to music residencies, flying to film festivals. What, before you gave birth? Before I gave birth. And I wanted to be seen as a professional, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, we live in a world where people make assumptions. I know. Um, and sometimes these assumptions come from women before men, mm. by the way. Mm. <laughs> like, unfortunately, we talk about women supporting women, but sometimes you, you get judged and kind of cut out of something by by someone who's done it before and wasn't able to do it right. Yeah, and we're also influenced by the patriarchy. So we don't realize that we're doing that to each other. And the way that we think is the way we've been made to think, you know. Exactly, exactly. It's so ingrained in us at this point that anything you do that's outside of that frame becomes like, you know, yes. the, this, the, it becomes like you're breaking this big rule. Yeah. There are no rules. <laughs> These rules are man-made, yeah. you know, they're not like universal. Well, I really admire you for thinking that way and to reach out and ask composers. I mean, that's such a great idea to see how did they do it and, you know, knowing what you want and finding a way around it because... I I was influenced by the patriarchy. Now, looking back, I realize I repeated exactly what my mother did. And so I love that you've figured that out very, very quickly and and managed to juggle both. How easy or difficult was it? It was extremely difficult, but extremely rewarding. And I wouldn't do it any other way. And just to Mm. go back to what you said, motherhood is the most difficult job in the world. So, so you know what, I, I think that what you did at the time was the right thing, given your situation. And we are a product of our circumstances, right? Mm. Because this entire idea of continuing doing your thing when you have kids, um, it, it, I mean, it's it, depending on where you live, it's a different concept, right? Yeah, and how much support you have and what sort that of too. job it is. I mean, if it requires travel and it requires late nights, um, it's difficult. But 
you know, it's it's really interesting that you thought, okay, how can I adjust? What can I do? Perhaps it's, you know, composing from your home studio or you can carry on in a different way. You can adjust how you work around the thing that you're passionate about instead of giving it up completely, which is something I think a lot of mothers feel it's, you know, either this or either that. There isn't this middle and you found a middle. We have a lot of guilt tripping in the mommy community, which yes. is why I don't I don't mix with mothers. I'll tell you that the only mothers I mix with are friends of mine from college and we became mothers. But I don't join any mom groups. I don't do that because I don't need anyone to tell me how whether the way I'm raising my son is right or wrong. I will raise my son the way I find is best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, I think what's most important is having a happy mom. exactly it's not the other stuff so if you're unhappy and you're doing all the things you're meant to supposedly that everyone else thinks you should you know exactly uh, like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be resentful towards my son because I just spent three hours baking organic uh, muffins for him and then the kitchen is a mess just so that I can you know please the idea that oh, she, she only feeds her kids organic homemade food while he eats that muffin alone while I'm, you know, mm. busy cleaning up and frustrated. No, I'd rather go out and eat out with my son and have a conversation with him and, and be happy around him and have him, have him get that memory of his mother as opposed to the memory of her just being frustrated and, and angry. And for me, I knew right away that if I don't fulfill my musical cravings and dreams, that will end up being, you know, um, projected on my son. So what you said is is absolutely correct. Happy, you need a happy mom to raise happy children. And how did that inspire or add to your music? Do you feel that it did or not necessarily? Motherhood, absolutely. Yeah, this new experience. Absolutely, it's grounding. For me, it's so grounding to see my child because as a workaholic who, if I didn't have my son, I would probably be even crazier with my work schedule right now. But having that little human being that needs me and and who needs my, my full attention when he's with me kind of makes you realize that nothing in this world is worth it as long as this human being is okay. And that, when you release that, it's like you're releasing that energy to the universe. You're not getting attached to an, opportun- an opportunity that you didn't get, even though you really tried hard to get it. Um, in a way, you release that to the universe. And as a result, you start attracting more, I feel, because you're not attached to the end result of, of yes, things. And it allows you to be uh, still and playful yes. and live in the moment yes. more. So for me, for example, I try my best when I'm with my son, I don't think about work. And actually the pandemic helped me with that because during the pandemic, there was no uh, daycare anymore. So, and there was no way I could just like put him in a high chair and work, right? I needed, he was, Mm. uh, he was a year and a half old at the, you know, at the epitome of his uh, socialization and growth. So, so I, it was magical in a way because, um, the, the film score that I composed during that first lo- lockdown is uh, it's it won an award at a film festival in LA and currently it's nominated for a Canadian Screen Award, which is like the BAFTAs of Canada. Um, and it's a score that I wrote with no daycare and, you know, thinking that I needed to work 12 hours a day on it, which I didn't have at the time because I had my son yes. with me. So I had to write it in a shorter time 
in a shorter amount of time, but somehow my mind, when I sat to write it, when my son was with his dad, uh, you know, it was writing itself almost. Wow. So, well, the legendary Hans Zimmer um, described your orchestral music as amazing, uh, inc- that you're an incredible artist. And BBC have said that your music is so reflective and touching. Was that before you had a child or after? These were before I had my child. So where do you feel that comes from, that inspiration, that that um, that ability to really touch on human emotions through your music? Um, I, I can tell you that it comes from things that happened to me in my life as well. Um, so for example, the, the album that BBC said is touching, it's, it's a piano album that I wrote for my mom who passed away. Um, Hans Zimmer's comment came uh, about a specific piece called The Borrowed Dress, which was my, um, orchestral version of a film score that I did for a documentary by the same name. However, while scoring that documentary itself, I had a miscarriage and my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So that work in a way has a, you know, it's not just Mm -hmm. a film score. It's also what was happening in my life, um, affecting affecting the film score. The film score was, the the, the documentary was about loss of family members. And I was slowly losing my own dad, who, who was the only, parent left for me in this world um yeah so i and your unborn and an unborn child exactly so um Mm. i feel that we you know grief um music is a good outlet for grief and i i strongly believe that anything that comes straight from your heart as an artist will always touch the hearts of other people people can sense if this art that you're producing be it you know, be it uh, music or visual art or drama or comedy, they yeah. can sense if it's exactly. true or if it's pretentious. You exactly. Can tell. And the minute it comes straight from your heart, even if you might not think it's really the best thing out there, people will feel it. And that's the job of art. Yeah. It's to touch other, yeah. you know, from your heart to the hearts of others. Um, I think that's what's so beautiful about being an artist is that you can touch upon your own experiences your own emotions to come through your work whereas with many other jobs you have to leave your emotions outside and come in and just focus on you know surgery or accounting or whatever it is but as an artist you can use those emotions whether they're dark or light or joyful and you bring them into the work itself exactly and and that's such a huge privilege yes and out of all the awards that you've received, is there one that's more special, most special to your heart, meant a lot at the time for a certain reason? Yes, there's a, an award that I received um, from the Hollywood Music and Media Awards. Um, I received it in 2020 for one of my orchestral works. The work is called Tomorrow, or Ghadan in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And it's an orchestral work that was performed by the Syrian expat Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, My mom is Syrian, and um, this orchestra was formed in Europe in 2015, and it's made up basically of many of my musician friends who fled Syria or who were already studying in Europe, um, Mm. you know, doing higher studies. Um, This award means a lot to me because for me, it's an award for the orchestra as well. 
not just for the composition. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you've also got Bosnian and Palestinian roots. Do you feel that all of those things influence your music, your background? Definitely. You know, I tell people, <laughs> sometimes I tell people, I'm like, I'm uh, Bosnian, Palestinian, Syrian. It doesn't get more messed up than this in terms of conflicts, really. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, there's so much culture in all of these um, traditions and musical culture in particular. So I, I've always been influenced by, by them. And uh, most recently, I did music for a Bosnian play here in Canada um, as well. My entire reason for becoming a composer was because I wanted the music that I listened to to reflect um, part of who I am. And I, uh, I say this a lot, and I don't uh, mean in any way for it to be a romanticized version of anything, but I've never really felt that I belonged to where I live, regardless of where I am, because of this multi-ethnicity yes, that I have. I understand that. And you understand that. Mm. You're multi-ethnic yourself. So for me, my music is my home. It's the only place where no one questions my identity, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, you're not really Canadian. You're, uh, you're Arab Canadian, uh, you know, or like when I lived in Syria, but you're not really Syrian because only your mother is Syrian. My music for me is a place where all these multitude of identities kind of melt together and no one questions them. Yeah. So it's the, my home that travels with me wherever I am. The, the nice thing about composing music or actually any, any form of art you pursue is that I know I could mess up a lot of things in my life. Like, I know I'm maybe not the best at relationships. Maybe I could burn something that I cooked, whatever. But when it comes to my music, it's the one thing in this life that I know I can do well. I know I will never miss a deadline. I know I will deliver the best work that I can. And I know that it's, it's going to be very good work. So there's that confidence, which is, I was talking to a colleague of mine just last week. It's an irrational confidence because you can't be that confident. So, so somehow it's an irrational confidence that I know that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it well. It's the one thing I know how to do in this life. I could mess up everything else, but this, I know how to do it. Well, I think I would say it's rational because you kind of base things on past experiences. So if you've had many successful past experiences, it gives you confidence and courage that this time is going to be good as well. Why wouldn't it be? It's usually when you haven't done something for such a long time that you worry and you feel insecure. Or if you haven't succeeded in something in the past, then you feel, you know, insecure and worried about it. So music is what you do and you do it well. The borrowed dress, which is absolutely beautiful, and it is going to be performed by the British Police Orchestra in a cathedral in Birmingham yes. in May. So how can people find tickets? How can they see that um, if they're here in England? That's a very good question. It's going to be on May 7th. And um, I am the British Police Orchestra has a Facebook page. However, I will contact them to ask about tickets and I can give you that information because um, I still need to find it out myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that will be in the written notes of, of this episode. Um, so you can check that out yes. if you're listening. And how can people listen to your work and find you as well, Saad? So you can find me on Spotify uh, through my official name, Saad Bushnak. And um, if you type the same name on YouTube, I have a few things there as well. 
um, and my website, suadbushnaf.com, or Instagram at music by suada or music by suada. That's my nickname. <laughs> oh, beautiful. It was lovely talking to you. Same here, and, Daniel. Um, and I'm looking forward to Salma's home coming out as well and seeing the impact that has and if people like it and, and love the music and the acting. It's a beautiful film. Thank you very much, Saad, for being with us today. Thank you, Rania. This was beautiful. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.